Welcome to History Made Beautiful, a podcast about the beauty, diversity, faith, and community in world history. Here is your hostess, author and historian, Martini Fischer. Hi everybody. So let's talk about Julius Caesar. Only a little bit. Um, I actually found this meme about him, uh, which I'm going to share on Instagram at some point. Yes, I do have Instagram. If you haven't been following me on Instagram, um, please do so and give me some ideas on contents. Um, I would like to be a little bit like the young generation these days by having things like Instagram and Pinterest. Um, I have no idea how to work with both of them, but I'm trying my best. Anyway, the assassination of Julius Caesar on the 15th of March, 44 BC, it was a turning point, isn't it, in the Roman history. Um, And then centuries later, the expression, beware the Ides of March, was found in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar in 1601 in the soothsayer's message to Julius Caesar, warning of his death. Since then, the eyes of March became notorious as being associated with death. But long before the eyes of March became associated with Julius Caesar's murder, it was actually a day of celebration for the ancient goddess Anna Perenna a goddess beloved by the common people. Anna Perenna's two names both refer to the year. Anna meaning to live through a year and Perenna means uh, last many years. The two words are still seen in the English word annual and perennial. As her concerns seem to be cycles of renewal and connecting the past to the present, the festival of Anna Perenna was full of contradictions such as old and new, uh, as well as death and rebirth. The month of March itself was believed to be the first month of the year. It was a time when springtime was in full bloom and newness was all around. Therefore, the celebration would have marked the first full moon in the year in the old lunar Roman calendar. On the evening of the 15th of March, people would camp out at the first milestone of the Via Flaminia, uh, Anna Perenna's sacred grove of fruit trees by the banks of the Tiber. This same sacred grove was also famous for its tombs and cemeteries. The people would picnic merrily into the night. They would feast and dance and sing and celebrate with wine, toasting to health and long life. In Saturnalia, uh, Macrobius related that public and private offerings were made to Anna Perenna, Ut annare 
Pranere Como Delicat, which means that in the cycle of the year may be completed happily. I hope I pronounced the Latin right. My Latin is so rusty, it's not even funny anymore. Um, anyway, as it was believed that one would leave, uh, live as many years as the cup of wine one could drink, it was, of course, traditional to get extremely drunk. Ovid goes further and dramatically describes the festival as the people celebrating this ancient goddess with sexual and verbal freedom. Therefore, although her festival, um, through her festival, uh, Anna Perenna gave a sacred space for free and uninhibited speech. <laughs> In Fausti, Ovid reports a Roman legend that identifies Anna Perenna as the sister of Dido, the Carthaginian founder in Ionaid. To escape their brother Pygmalion after the death of Dido, Anna led a group of refugees to find refuge in the home of Batus, the king of Malta. After protecting them for three years, Batus counseled Anna to um, flee and find a new place of exile for her own safety and those of her people, as her brother was seeking war against Malta to bring her back to Carthage. Once again, forced to flee over the seas, Anna and her people were shipwrecked on the coast of Latium, where they were then saved and hosted in Aeneas' settlement of Lavinium. However, Anna's presence there made Lavinia, wife of Aeneas, increasingly jealous. One night, Dido appeared in Anna's dream to persuade her to abandon her latest refuge. Anna again gathered her refugees and took her leave. She was swept away by the river Numicus, and she morphed into a river nymph hidden in the Amnis Perennis or perennial stream, and was renamed Anna Perenna. Ovid adds other interpretations of Anna Perenna's beginning. Although some equate Anna Perenna with Themis, the Titaness goddess of divine order, or Amalthea, the foster mother of Zeus, Ovid favors the report that Anna was actually an old woman from the town of Bolive in Latium, um, the area of central Italy which included Rome, um, and she was alive during the secessio plebis, or withdrawal of the commoners or secession of the plebs. In 494 BC, tired of paying taxes and being conscripted into the military, while having no voice in the government, the plebeians um, hold themselves up on the Monsacre, a sacred mount, um, three miles northeast of Rome, with the intention of seceding from Rome. They were finally persuaded to return to Rome with the institution 
of the tribunes or representative of the tribes whose function it was to represent the common people's interests and defend their freedoms against those of the patrician class. In this legend, um, Anna Perenna brought cakes to the plebeians and kept them fed during their protest. This made her very popular among the common people, who then considered her a goddess after her death. Ovid goes on to report that after old Anna had become a goddess, she impersonated Minerva to gain admission to the god Mars' bedchamber, leading to the coarse jokes and coarse songs used at Anna Perenna's festivity. Mars and Anna um, Perenna were also associated as cult partners, as the festival of Anna Perenna falls on the month dedicated to Mars. German historian Franz Altheim is an authority on Roman religion um, and he suggests that Anna Perenna was originally an Etruscan mother goddess and that her relationships with Aeneas as well as Mars were developed to strengthen her association with Rome. Ovid Fasti uh, relates a wide variety of narratives from the transformation of characters such as Callisto and Orion into stars after their death to the miraculous ascending of Romulus. However, it is worth noting that throughout the, fa um, the Fasti, most of the narratives of supernatural transformations particularly the deification of female characters, tend to be prompted by sexual assaults. Some examples are the rape of Lara by Mercury before her transformation into the silent goddess Tacita, and the rape of the nymph Chloris by Zephyrus before she became the goddess Flora. In Vasti, Anna Perina, a stands out as one of the very few female characters who are deified without suffering any sexual attack. He, um, well, Ovid presents Anna, sister of Dido, as well as the leader of a band of Carthaginian refugees, more as a political figure. He allows the audience to see much more of her leadership role than her role in any sexual or romantic drama by presenting Anna's difficulties in the process of gaining divinity during the, her trials at sea and her struggles in finding a new home for her people. The only sexual aspect of Anna's transformation into a nymph, if one looks hard enough, didn't actually come until Lavinia attacked her because she saw Anna as a rival for Aeneas' uh, affection. The closest comparison to Anna's transformation into the nymph Annapurna is um, probably the transformation of Arethusa in the Metamorphosis. Uh, Arethusa, a nymph and a daughter of Nereus, fled from the river god Alpheus, whose motives are implied 
to be sexual, although not overtly sexual. Um, I guess no overtly sexual details are provided. So, um, Arethusa escaped by praying to Diana, who turned her into a stream in attempt to avert this sexual attack. Like Anna Perana, Arethusa retained an anthropomorph um, anthropomorphic form and was able to participate in divine society after her transformation. Likewise, Anna fled from an attack engineered by Lavinia and becomes a water nymph. As Ovid narrates Anna's transformation with hardly any reference to any sexual aspects, Anna is then seen by the audience as a less feminine character, somehow. In fact, her role in the Fasti is quite epic and bears many strong connections to that of the very masculine Aeneas in the um, in the Aeneid. Therefore, uh, her gender presentation is highly complex. As while attempting to find a new home for her people, she adopts the sort of so-called masculine leadership role. Um, even as characters such as Lavinia tries to assign the more passive role to her, such as that of Dido. In this context, uh, Anna's downplayed femininity actually grants her greater respect within the narrative and therefore frees her from the sexual assault experienced by many other deified women in the fast day. Anna is a rather difficult one to study, as scholarship still continue to speculate about the origin of Anna and her name. Our major source of the goddess, Ovid's Fausti, um, seems less reliable as it has been in part regarded as poetic fiction. The mythical connection of Anna Perana with Dido's sister Anna and her deification in the Latin river of Numicus seemed highly suspect considering the popularity of the mythical motive of a heroine deified by a river, a river deity, making this seem like quite a common literary trope at the time. But Ovid's descriptions of her festival were better credited as the date of March 15th and the characteristics of the cult mentioned seem to point with reasonable plausibility to an archaic ritual celebrating the ancient beginning of the year. Um, the festival theme of fertility made it rather easy to link the cult to another similarly popular day in Rome the Liberalia on March 17, for example. Um, Liberalia um, celebrates Liber, the Roman god of viticulture and wine, and like the festival of Annapurna, who also celebrated with sacrifices and um, obscene songs and chants with verses 
intended to promote uh, fertility. The Romans, um, both men and women, enjoyed blatant sexual language on special occasions, such as the libera uh, Liberalia and the festival of Annapurna, as um, means of letting their hair down in contravention of expected public behavior. Even a character of traditional gravity might be expected to abandon his severity for a little while on such occasion. This negative appraisal has only been reversed after a discovery of a well system in 1999 um, during the construction of a parking garage is masonry dating from the late antiquity. An altar and two marble bases from the 2nd century AD were built into its front part and the inscription records dedication to the um, sacred nymph of Anna Perenna, clearly identifying the cult site. The four lead pipes which connected the well to a cistern behind it indicate a long period of use for this facility before it was abandoned and filled up between the 5th and 6th century BC, um, AD. Sorry. In 1922, a limestone altar with the simple two-line inscription relating to Anna Perenna was found not far from the cath uh, cathedral at Feltre in the former Gallia uh, Kisalpina Gallia Kisalpina and at Buscemi near Acrae in Sicily Italian archaeologist and classicist Paolo Orsi discovered uh, several intercommunicating niche uh, set within an architectural frame inside some caves. Although the inscriptions were in very bad conditions, dedications in Greek to Anna and to Apollo could still be made out. One of them carries the date 35 AD, while the others are also likely to be from the, from the first half of the century AD.